You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is on principle. You know, I, I'm going to say challenges in Jewish education, but I think this is just a challenge to us, challenge in Judaism <laughs> and our principled opinions and the way we articulate them, I think, are very important here, especially uh, in light of what is really, I, I don't know, Rabbi Yitzchok Adlerstein, who I'm here with today, I'm not sure if it's, if it's spilled over, it has spilled over into Eretz Yisrael, but clearly the American society, the, and maybe even North America, I spoke to my good friend Rabbi Pukko today from Canada, where it doesn't seem to be as much of an issue, but in the U.S. society, Roe v. Wade, the seemingly what's going to happen based on this leaked decision is there's going to be a overturning of the decision that rendered all abortions legal in the United States. And that seems to be now on the threshold of being overturned if the, if, if, if the reports pan out. And it is causing a firestorm, really, of protest and argument and even from our friends and colleagues in many rabbinic organizations. So, Rav Yitzchok, I know that uh, you've had your ear to the ground, despite being in Yerushalayim, about what's happening here. Look, the, the tremors in Yerushalayim are just as great as they are in Israel, except that the, the law here is far worse, so the situation here is far worse than it was in the United States. But it was, uh, it was considered to be alarming enough that the Israeli health ministry issued a statement. Hmm. Arm of great concern. Court was of was. Wait, wait, wait! Uh, You see how how out of it I am. Uh, The Israeli health ministry, based on what they're hearing about this leaked uh, decision that might come down the pike, raised the banner of in a different country that they're concerned about what's going to happen in the United States. Correct. Okay. Can you explain that? Where does that come from? What do they care? I mean, do they do they usually issue statements about what's going on in Rwanda or going well, on in in? in well, other- please remember that, and we should talk about this. That the Israeli experiment in democracy is trying to uh, do what what the uh, what the British did successfully, but after, only after hundreds of years. They're trying to lead a country without a constitution except that the British have a little bit more seichel there. After the Aaron Barak court, they created a constitution out of nothing, sort of like what Roe v. Wade did in coming up mm. with the Israeli constitution. There was never any penumbra. They just said, basically, it's in the penumbra of Aaron Barak's mind, mm. and they keep on coming up with basic laws. But understand that so often when they try to defend those basic laws, they do appeal to opinion, to the moral sense around the world. The United States still counts for quite a bit. Maybe Israelis don't know better, but, you know, it's, it's sort of like it, it, they, they thought in the very, very, very liberal uh, Israeli uh, abortion law that you know, if the United States assumes that that this is the right way to go, then we certainly should. We should go even then one better. Let's talk, you know what, since you brought that up, well, let's go back to Roe in a couple of minutes. But can you, again, you've been in Eretz Yisrael for a number of years now, and you are a smart fellow who knows what's doing there. Why is it that the Israeli abortion laws are so far 
beyond um in other words what they allow they seem to be they seem to be more liberal than the rest of europe right and oh maybe maybe it matches england but more liberal than it is here in the united states why is it yeah, so I, I i think and you know, don't give me credit for being now a great expert on the israeli scene or get in trouble with my israeli neighbors who think americans never know anything and i don't purport to know all that much but just looking historically at the at the history of of the uh, of the of the court of the gods, realize that Israel is a, a very very elitist country. It was elitist since since before 1948, with Ashkenazim lording over the Sephardim, uh, which is still a, a a source of friction between between communities. But the the court was an elitist establishment with an elitist government. So you have people who, who pretty much share, uh, you know, sort of like the, what the Rambam writes in, in his Akdama to Pirish Mishnayis, if you have people who are uh, roughly of the same intelligence and have the same background, they wind up saying the same things. Well, that, that is what you have on the Israeli court. You're talking about people who had a one particular kind of legal education, came from more or less the same intellectual background, and choose each other to be members of the court. So it's a self-selecting group that is, is nothing like what, what, the, what Alito is asking the United States to go back to, which was that uh, federal governments don't necessarily decide everything important in life. Those are things to be made in more laws. So, okay, so, so, I, so I think one of the things that you've, you've explained here, the difference is that the United States is exactly what we call it, states that are united, whereas Eretz Israel is one state. One state, and there isn't a difference in state and federal, and it is obviously, as you say, indebted not only to an elitist mentality, but also to the British idea of government everywhere, right? Socialist government, which was part of the bulwark of, of, of the Israeli country, of the Medina Israel, and therefore the idea that you know, we are going to legislate and, and, and dictate and over-proliferate all these, this red tape, that's part, of, that's part of life in Israel. So in that way, the idea that each state deciding, obviously that's something which doesn't happen here in Israel. But what I find strange is, although you said it's sort of amorphous side of, uh, we don't have a constitution, but we sort of like pull stuff out of the hat, it isn't, I mean, I've read a lot of secular Israeli law, and it's really cute, I would say. And people say, cute? Yeah, it's cute how they bring a, a precedent from Talmudic law. It's sort of like, like the reform chuvas that you could sometimes read up on. They do, you know, when they put the background, they don't ignore, they don't ignore our traditions. They don't ignore the Gemaras. They don't ignore, they'll even mention a Rambam or a Psak, and, 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 and that somehow gets diffused in their Amaratzas into the Alocha. So what's interesting is there's enough in our Makairos to, to warn against Harigas Ubrin, right? There is there is something, even if you take a look at the Gemara and Sanhedrin, and this is not a Talmudic discussion, but even look at the Gemara and Sanhedrin about how there's the opinion that, that, that a non-Jew cannot uh, just maliciously kill a, a child, it would seem that shouldn't there be some sort of stop on it? Like it shouldn't be as liberal? Shouldn't there be a sense, well, yes, we like Avi Shafrin wrote and others have, all, have said, we don't consider uh, the fetus a baby, a real living being that you, you, would have your, you would be considered a murderer for killing that child. But um, 
is there's enough in our sources to at least I think generate caution about about this procedure, and and why hasn't the Israeli law sort of taken that into consideration? Is strange, despite the fact that I know they're secular, they're apikarsim, etc. But 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 don't they pay at least uh, some sort of intellectual lip service to the sources? Well, I, I, I haven't I haven't read any of the of the background on the uh, on the Israeli. Supreme Court's uh, rulings on, on abortion. But please remember this. Rabbi Shafrin raised an excellent point, which has so much not been part of the discourse over the last 49 years since Roe v. Wade. You've had two warring camps who've argued about whether the rights of a child trump the rights of a mother or vice versa. One thing that people really have not been debating, because it's, it's one of these imponderables. You can't really come up with a solution, except we can because we have halakha. Uh, and, and that is, isn't this all about when life begins or when life at least has some legal status? Is potential life on a continuum with life? Uh, can a potential life assume properties close to life? And if so, at what point and to what, and to what degree? That that has not been part of the discourse in America, because once the law was made, it was just a question of we're going to enforce this newfound rule, which is women can do with their bodies whatever they can't. And don't bother me with distinctions about whether you're killing babies or not. It's not a baby. I mean, even if it is a baby, it's my right to do whatever I want with it. So that's the way things really have been in America for quite a while. And the immediate result of this, at least for people in our circle, for people who, who not only care about halacha, but are even interested in examining the difference between legal systems, is that we can't do that in halacha. We get it down to the basic. The first place, what, yeah, first question that you sort of have to ask, is this a legally recognized human being? And then you do have, uh, you do have different readings. And you know, on the one hand, you have some people learning in the Rambam, like Rav Moshe did, Rav Moshe Feinstein's itself, learning in the Rambam that it is a me'en of Ritzicha. It's not complete Ritzicha, but it's, it's probably even Abizrayu of Ritzicha. Others disagree even in the Rambam. And then when you go outside of the Rambam, uh, as we were talking before, the, uh, before the, the, the tape started running, you have Chuvas starting from the Chavas Yair, and others who come up with a whole slew of other ways of looking at abortion, in which the chomer ha'iser is nothing like ritzicha, but it's chovel biatzmo, or it's, uh, I forgot what, it, what some of the others are, I've been out of the, uh, the classroom for too long, but isurim that, that can be diorisa, but don't have quite the same chomer, and therefore uh, there is some, some room uh, for... Uh, where there's other be even when it's not completely a sakana to the mother, but there are other weighty factors. Particularly if it's chavel biatzma, but we know that chavala in oneself is mutter if the if the gain outweighs the loss, which is well, the case. We know that Rav Moshe's opinion, um, which he wrote because the three-day age and others. Uh, had uh, addressed this topic, and Rav Moshe felt he needed to make a stand, and he wrote it in a, uh, it was printed in the Sefer Zikaron, 
Which, interestingly, again, he decided to write this in the Sefer Zikaron for Bichasko Abramsky and, and send it in uh, to be published. It then later became part of Igris Meishel Chayshin Mishpat, Chaylik Beis. So I think it was something that Ramesha believed in very strongly, but I think it's a conversation we had at a previous time. It's an open secret that there are poskim in America who do not ascribe to it completely, despite Ramosha's hegemony and Ramosha, the cover that we have to Ramosha, and many have followed other poskim, specifically the Tzitzeliezer, who argued with Ramosha about this, and there was a, a discussion between them on this and other subjects. And I'm happy that there's halachic debate, it's marbe teira v'yadir. However, in the world of politics, many times, as you know, and I'm going to you know, put this right at, at your table, you've partnered with people who share a similar mindset, but not uh, an exact mindset with you. You've partnered with people in the Christian world who believe in one God, who believe, well, basically, who believe in one God, who believe in a, a morality that is biblically inspired, who believe that there is schar onesh, who believe that in, in these things, and we have partnered with them in many ways. People who partnered with the pro-life movement in the 70s and 80s and 90s, and although they might have known about the subtle differences, felt that I'd rather be more on their side than on the side of of the liberal mentality, which you know is ready to sanctify, in their terms, the woman's right to choose of who she is in her own body, and and, and we we partnered with them. We knew that we were different with them, but we partnered with them not just for this, but for many causes that you have partnered with them as well. So yes, we don't exactly have, but aren't we more together with the Christians, fundamentalists, and Catholics? Don't we share their view of what the world is about more than the liberal side of things? Well, I, I guess in a forced choice question, the answer is categorically yes. But if you look at the statements, both of, by Rabbi Shafrin and a very different statement by the OU, both of them were balance pieces that reflected two competing needs. One is that we find the idea of using abortion as a method of contraception to be morally repugnant. Uh, and that's without going to the, some of the excess that we've seen in the past week among some of the protesters. At the same time, we are aware that there are millions of people out there who would clamor for laws that are not in accordance with our halacha. That means whether you're holding by Rav Moshe, you're holding by the Tzitz Eliezer, there's still more leeway than what the Catholic Church allows for and in some cases, even more than some of the evangelicals. So we have to be very, very, very careful about what we do. But at the same time, you're absolutely right, Ravavram. We, we respond with a sense of moral outrage because we've always been interested, at least in the last hundred years, in the environment around us, in what the moral climate does, both Lishma and for the impact that it has on, on ourselves. It's a classic tshuva way before that by Maram Shik about how you have to be careful about the, what, what it is that the non-Jews and the, uh, the environment around believe. So we meet the, the protest slogans with horror. Uh, you, you use the word sanctify. I used it obviously uh, sarcastically. used it more, used it, but you shouldn't have used it sarcastically. I think <laughs> it, was, it was a protest in front of a major church, I think in Manhattan, I'm not sure. It's not really important, where the crowd sang 
thank God for abortion, thank God for abortion. You know, in the in the, the sound of, of an old uh, black spiritual, but the message was, this is a God-given right. This is a mitzvah. There were other protesters who, in, in <laughs> it's hard to have the words to describe this, who, one, one character dressed up as kind of like pregnant, and then she pulled out little dolls from under her dress and slammed them on the pavement and said, I'm killing my babies, I'm killing my babies, I'm killing my babies. And, and uh, what was the other one? One of the slogans that was chanted by the crowd, and the fact that they're directed against churches should not give us any peace. We'll come back to that in a second. But the slogan was, God killed his kid. Why shouldn't we do the same? I see. <laughs> so in other words, not, not only is it not anti, it's really the greatest spirit of, of Yoshka Pundrik. Imitatio Dei. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We will. Mahu um, we should be too. Well, of course, if you could bring them back to life, that would be something different. But that's a... Um, yeah, but that, that won't solve the problem for them. What's interesting about Yitzhak is that I, I was talking to... Another, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was talking to another rabbinical colleague of mine, and he was mentioning to me that this labeling all the anti-abortion movement as a bunch of Bible-thumping creationists, obscurantists, forgets the fact that there's a number of people out there, even atheists, who, on an objective level just see this, as you were saying before, even if you're not a Baal Halacha, as a life forming, it isn't just a a group of cells. And I I think there are people out there, ethicists, who they are afraid to add their voice here, because they don't want to be labeled primitive people who believe in a a God with a long beard and a big stick that's beating them. And I, I think we need to understand that as well. Religion is so verboten, considered so small and narrow that this is why the, these pro-lifers are able to have this type of ammunition. And you're right. There needs to be some sort of response. I don't, you're telling me that the Aguda, and which if we say is Avi is, knows, that they, look, Avi Schaffer might write as a private individual, but the Aguda knows what he's writing. And they know that, right. uh, yeah. So right. he might write it and it gets, gets on MSNBC, wherever he gets on. But we know that that's, in place of the Aguda writing. The OU is more of a public uh, involved in the community of America, so they need to issue a statement. But those two, which I don't know if Young Israel or others issued him a statement, but doesn't sit so well with me that they're, again, my guts tell me this is a positive thing. And not only in terms of what you said, in terms of being honest about the legal procedure, but the fact is that we're going to have maybe a little pullback from the sliding towards Gomorrah that is going on in the United States, which has to do with much more than, you know, the fetal rights. And and they have already equated them, that they want to take away a woman's right to choose and they want to clamp down on LGBTQ. Everything is being massed together in hysterical fashion. And and I'm saying, and I think you agree with me, look, you're in Eretz Yisrael now, but you know what's going on here. You take visits here. In the last 25, 30 years, the needle has shifted in terms of uh, issues dealing with gender and homosexuality to like at a place, though you would never have believed it. If I would have told you 35 years ago, when we were still not gray and running around and enjoying ourselves in yeshiva and hovering in Harabanya and walking out in the street, that we would see not only the legalization of gay marriage, but 
trumpeting how incredible it is, how incredible all these rights are, and how gender uh, is only a mental state. I mean, we, we would we would have said this is some dystopian crazy fiction that some Allen Ginsberg wrote when he was on pot or something. All right, that's what we would have said, and that is the America that we're at today. So I, I see this as maybe a little bit of a pullback the other way. And maybe that's, isn't it? And, and we should be very supportive of that. Yeah, I, I don't know what there is for us to do. It's only that last phrase that I have some, some reservation about. I, I think that we can quietly say that maybe this is pushing the needle back for the entire country. I think it just emphasizes that the country, the United States has become two countries and Israel is a special case, but the United States is not going to become more conservative or more tradition, mm. traditionally oriented. It'll mean that the half of the country uh, that, that is will get a little bit of a boost and will be able to say, you know, we thought that this was a wrong decision from the beginning, and, and now at least the high court of the land is telling us that, even though they know it's only because they happen to have had a couple of uh, Republican appointees who got them in under the wire that the vote went that way and it would easily go the other way if the Democrats decide to pack the court with, uh, with more members. We're not getting to the real divisions in American society, but I think you're, you're quite right that the, that the victory is at least it's giving a voice to people who thought that they're, who, who saw themselves totally buried in a, a cultural avalanche in the direction of God relevant and anything goes it's look it's going to take a while to dig out because all the so all the not just the social media outlets but even the grand what do they call the new york times the grand dame of uh of 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 journalism uh the grand old lady i don't know exactly what it's called but you know even those outlets which we know are at, at the top of their game look cross currents is trying but as you know you know all the outlets that everybody turns on when they turn on their computer are going to be seeing this as something horrendous, something that is something that is that that spells ultra mega people, as as Biden was calling them, uh, taking control and what's going on here, et cetera, et cetera. And, and maybe there is going that voice could somehow could somehow rise up, a more religious voice, a voice that takes God into consideration, um, a voice that is is much more uh, tolerant. I mean. Uh, religiously. I don't think, and my friend Rabbi Belchapper and I argued about this, uh, as we do on many, many things, but Rabbi Belchapper and I were arguing about, oh, this is going to be, uh, there's going to be so many backyard abortions, and there's going to be people, there's going to be even Jewish women who aren't going to be able to get one, who need one, I really don't think that's going to happen, as Avi Shaffer points out. It's very rare, and they're going to be able to get their psak, and they're going to be able to get on a plane and go to, if it's necessary, to whatever state they need to or get on a bus. I, I don't see it as, you know, this, you know, the, the flag of hysteria. This world, look what they're doing. They want to take control and, and turn back the clock and turn this into Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, which, again, I never read when it was uh, in, in, in print, but once it became a Hulu series, everybody has been talking about, you know, this idea of, 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 of subjugating women. We know as you know as well as I do, Rabbi Yitzchok, that that Bali Halacha are the most sensitive to the concerns emotionally and physically of women. You know this idea that 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 that, that we're a bunch of ayatollahs. We know that this is a lie, 
And um, I, I think true religious people understand the Mahabda Yaisir Migufai. We just added in the Dafyaimi. That is a, a principle that we aspire to live by. And I think Halacha presents it. Let me just ask you one thing before before you this. When I hear about the people in Eretz Yisrael, Haredim in Eretz Yisrael, rail against the government and rail against involvement in issues like Yom Atzmut or Yom Azikaron, one of the things, and some of them are not in Eretz Yisrael, some of them are here in the U.S., and I have been criticized on this platform for having a Yom Atzmut shir or having a Yom Yerushalayim shir, that how can I give legitimacy to a Medina that has now allowed itself to have these type of abortion laws. And, 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 and I guess that's, you know, that, that's what I wanted to ask you. You know, you would think that for the Israelis, who you call the elitists, don't they realize that this is something that, you know, when you want to find common ground, I mean, we know that people, even like Bennett and others know that we need to find some sort of commonality with the Haredish mentality abortions, even if, is, do, do you see any change happening there that could allow people to join a government and not be accused of joining a bunch of people who are killing fetuses consistently? I mean, it, it's such a black mark on the Medina. And, and, and maybe anybody wants to say anything positive, including myself, gets lambasted for saying something positive for a country that, you know, I'll give you an example. I last year on our, on my, on this site mentioned how proud we were at IDT, which is basically me, <laughs> how proud we were of Israel being out front with what they were doing in terms of inoculation, in terms of uh, the vaccine, and in terms of leading, generating figures for the health of across the world. And the person wrote back to me vehemently, you know, you're, you know, you give the support for this country that, that is the number one leader in, in, in abortions and et cetera. So this seems to be something that, and again, I go back to where we started. It, it, can't there be some movement there? Can't there be people whispering there? Well, can't we just, you know, and this way, maybe there could be more coming together? It, it's interesting. I think you just created the Israeli version. What is it? Godwin's Law? That uh, if you talk about any subject for X number of minutes, it's bound to get around to the Holocaust. So yeah, I, I think your version of it is if you talk about any subject at all, it's bound to get back to Yom Ha'atzmaut. I don't really understand. I you know I'm, I live partially within a community of people who who certainly believe all of that, and I don't identify with that. Uh, starting with the uh, with the Rambam's words in Hilchas Hanukkah, where he he talks about one of the great accomplishments of Hanukkah. Was that Yisrael. Right. It was not a Malchus that we'd want to be proud of. I think that most Haredim, if they had to choose between the, the, the leadership of uh, Herod and some of the Hashmonayim, the later generations of Hashmonayim, and what we have today, they, they'd go with the latter. Uh, at, least, at least the Israeli government is sort of supporting Torah rather than taking all of the Talmudim and massacring them. Mm-hmm. The Rambam thought that there is something to be said for for Jewish sovereignty, and that, that that's sort of the way I looked at it. Uh, and and I I think lots of things can change. It's still a young state. We we look at the at, at Israel and we compare it to Great Britain and the United States. Usually stacks up pretty favorably. Yes, there's some absolutely awful things, but it doesn't mean that an individual who, who 
believes in the idea of Jewish sovereignty over the, over the country is allied with every decision, uh, even with a whole group of decisions, especially when you realize that these decisions are coming from an elitist court. Uh, maybe it means that we should offer more support to Ayala Chaked, who uh, is not, not a firm woman at all, but has made it one of her career uh, missions to revolutionize the, the court. She actually knows quite a bit about American law and has spoken very, very persuasively about what's wrong with the, uh, with the Israeli uh, uh, Supreme Court. The activism of the Israeli Supreme Court is, uh, shall I say, ferris, but sometimes cynically with people in other parts of the world. That doesn't mean that the guy on the street or even a law clerk uh, working at the Supreme Court has to take responsibility for that. I, I find it a kind of a lame excuse. Our job is to convince as many Yidden as we can in the beauty of Torah, in the binding nature of Halacha, and preserve for ourselves as, as, as much territory as we can. Unlike the United States, I think we can make far, far, far greater headway here than we can in lots of other places. Uh, give you a small example. The fact that in recent years, Haiti women started uh, small numbers, but, but enough have entered law school, and some of them do very, very well. And a number of them have gone on to clerk for Supreme Court justices. That means that they are now whispering in the ears exactly what you said before of people from a different point of view having to contend with a different point of view that they normally could insulate themselves from. But that's what happens when you take your place in a society. So I, I think that, you know, we, we, we should not give up on it as much as we should fight both the nature of Bagats and, and some of their solutions. I wonder how things might have been different had Rav Breuer succeeded. I forgot which. You're talking which, about, you're talking about right. Yitzhak Breuer. The one who came up with Kagi. The That's what it was called? The, 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 the author of program. the Moria. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about a specific program. I know there's somebody working on a doctorate on it right now to take talented kolel avrechim and give them training in some of the disciplines that would be necessary to have an input in the leadership of a state. So we, we can do that. We gave, we gave them one chevrenah. Uh, Menachem Alon, uh, who, who was one, one of the architects of Israel. He's one of the one of the architects, but he always threw in a Torah perspective. Of course. And somebody who knew how to learn. And, Rock, and he, let's, let's talk about Baruch Rakover. There's a number of, of yeah, yeah, right. There's a right. number of a fine, a fine. The Baruch Rakover was one of the experts in the Goyim in the world. There's plenty of, of again, and Simchasaf Zochenulavroch, of course, wasn't Zocha to, to to take an active role in the creation of of aspects of the state, but his work uh, that he, that he started to work on, and you know, and, and even the truncated efforts of Rav, Rav Herzog, you know, towards figuring out a way that it could actually capture the spirit of Aloha. You know, I almost think from what you're saying. You seem to be saying to me, Rabbi Yitzchok, that you're not sure if they're going to start deconstructing the abortion law and, 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 and becoming more strict on that. But maybe it's similar to, let, let's talk about the Zman Chizkiyo HaMelech. <laughs> the Zman Chizkiyo HaMelech, 
we know the Gemara says that right? Ever he didn't say Shira. Not because he didn't get rid of the Bamos. In other words, the Bamos, everybody was being over in Isra Chorus, right? It was it was standard practice that people were, were being over in Isra Chorus consistently. Once we know the base of Mikdash was chosen, taking a carbon of Hektish and building your own Mizbeach and shechting it, you were being high of chorus. And that was happening en masse. He wasn't Maser the Bamais. Yoshio, who could have also, was, as we know, we're with Makainen and Mantishabov as this great, great Sadik, he couldn't be Maser the Bamais. Now, it's not necessarily get dis- extinguishing life, but it's Lukhaira more Chomor than Harigas Ubrim, right? Harigas Ubrim, even Lukhaira of Maishan, even if you want to be Machmir, it's not a din, you're not, you're not Chayim Misa. Even if it's Abizrayu, you don't get Misa Bidei Shamayim for it. And yet, they understood Chizkiah is going to make changes. The changes were, were, were incredible. Uh, let's make a big Corbin Pesach. Let's get involved. Yoshio, the Bumleis, <laughs> couldn't get rid of that. So you see, I think that there's a model for recognizing, oh, Nebuch, we still have the Bumleis. Is that maybe what you're saying is, look, we probably shouldn't try to take down abortion because of its elitist, somehow, you know, sacred as I said before, status. But we shouldn't make that be a, a, a point that stops all sort of sheet of pu'ula at the door by shaming, like I was being shamed. How dare I present something and even write something positive about the, the, the Medina while at the same time it's doing this. Am I capturing, I think, a little bit of yeah, a... Yeah, yeah, to a large extent. I mean, I would simplify it even, even more that politicians in the end and even the Bagats acts as on, on a mandate from the people. If the mood of the people is one direction, then politicians have a hard time evading that. And even, even members of the court will have a hard time. Our job would be really to, to do as much reaching out to brothers and sisters in Eretz Israel and show them what, what Torah really is and what Torah really believes. And we're making good progress. I mean, we, we have a long way to go. But they're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people out uh, out there and uh, out here in Israel, including in uh, the most, uh, you know, the, the communities most to the right within the Haredi world. We're doing significant Kira. And this is a country where the majority of the country still has very traditional values and even a traditional regard for Torah. So I'm optimistic about what can be done in, in the future. I don't want to talk too much about Yom Atzmut because I'm more likely to get my windows broken than you are because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm closer to it. So I want to just one more thing if we have a few more minutes. And, and that is, there's a dimension of this, which some people have mentioned, but very, very few. And that is what happens to a legal system when you wake up, some people waking up for the first time in their life and saying that something that was true from the day they were born, not only has been changed, but has been deigned by the high, highest court of the land as egregiously wrong. And, you know, what does that do for confidence in the, in, in the law? And, and where, where do we stand on that? We're obviously not people who claim that, uh, that courts can't make mistakes. We have the Sugi of Par, Helen Dovar, the Torah is saying that not only do people make mistakes, but it's Dafka, the highest court, with the Gadol Hador and the most significant Tamir and they can make mistakes and then later admit that they make mistakes. 
We have institutions like Zilusa de Beidina and Comdina and uh, Beidina, Basa Beidina Lodaiki, which are meant to preserve the gravitas of law because you, if, you, if you treat law like a seesaw, then people stop, start paying any attention to it. So we have to live with the same kind of problems that other legal systems in the United States is now going to have to, have to deal with. Uh, when uh, in regard to people in the Torah community, poskim admitting that they make mistakes, great poskim admitting that they make mistakes. We encourage that. And we know it's happened. If you get to a period of time where people stop conceding that they've made mistakes, that's when you really have to worry about halacha. But why, why is it that we're able to weather the storm? I think part of it is that, um, and the reason why it's in the Torah is because we realize that this is a fusion between the Rabboni Shalom and our perception of things. And we know that we are human, even though the halacha will prevail based on our perception. We know, as you say, the mechanism is there for a Bezdin's decision to be overturned by a future Bezdin. Gemara's throughout, besides the psukim that you mentioned, Gemaras and Abayi Zara talk about huge takonas that were then erased. You had people asering shemen and then being matering shemen because it was and I think part of it is because the elasticity of the law was based on eternal, godly text that we knew was part and parcel of Torah learning that almost every child was trained in as opposed to the laws of the United States or any other country, as you know, uh, it, it's basically uh, you know, a, a man-made document that even though you, know, you have the Scalias talking about we have to have fealty to original intent, the knowledge that this is not from God, and therefore if, if the public mindset is so determinedly against it, we can't let this ancient document uh, strangle us. Whereas I think we don't say that it's, as you said, it's not that we're saying this is a tortured reading, but rather this is God's gift to us, that he gave us a Torah that is so elastic, so able for each generation to be true. And that's why our teachers are, are, are so important. There's a simcha of overturning sometimes of what you say, of saying, go back and take that psak back. As you say, it doesn't take away. I just add one, just one other pushback. You said that people can't wake up to massive change. I don't know. Have we learned from COVID something that, that you know, it's true. It was supposedly because we don't want deaths in the emergency room and of older people dying. But is it possible that that's shown us that, look, you could change the way you've acted and the way you've perceived things, the way you interact, right? Maybe COVID can be a lesson that that, that could happen. Look, how many people stopped going to show? How many people stopped interacting? How many people, right? We, we changed our lives because of that. I'm not going to fight you on that. I mean, it's essentially you're right. I would, I would quibble and I, I defend my quibble that the legal system itself has to be different. And should be different and that when you lose respect for that, it's not the same thing as saying that, you know, we used to all have to go to the have to go to the office and we're not going to do that anymore because we've seen a different kind of set of values. And we know what it's like to spend time with our families and 
we're just not going back. We're going to have to do things online. I think it's very different. I, I read an, an analysis today of uh, why the Roman Catholic Church in particular has been losing so many people. I mean, all religion is losing, except us. We're losing hordes of people. And one of the arguments that was proposed for Catholics in particular was here you have people who've been taught about tradition and taught that God speaks through the Bishop of Rome and that that's God's will. But yet a whole generation of people woke up one day and said, well, um, you know, for the last 2000 years, you had to do the mass in Latin. Uh, English is okay. Or um, a, a couple of other changes that, uh, you know, from, from one day to another were changing. Because if this is God's law, how does it change? So I'm not going to disagree with you. I'd like to add a grace note to what you said. And that is that unlike people in other legal systems, even other religious systems, we have a very different kind of attitude towards the law. As you say, to us, it's exciting to be, to be, to be privileged to be partners with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to have given us this document that's, that, that starts off in the Olam HaTzilus and in, in Shemayim and makes its way down here. But one of the practical things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu designed into the system is In the United States, people rub shoulders with the law when they need a result. You have to write a contract. You have to sue somebody. So you go to your lawyer who speaks a different language, the Kavana. They want to keep the practice of the profession to themselves. I think it's too dangerous for lay people to do to, to mess with it. So you have to go to an attorney. If the attorney gives you the result you want, then the law is good and the attorney is good. And if he doesn't give you the result that you want, then the attorney is worthless and the law is even worse. It's, it's sort of consumerism of legality. But what do we do? We take kids and we train them not only about specific laws, about the holiness of law, as you said, but even what law can do and what law can't do. They've come to expect from, from an early age that the law is something that everybody does, everybody participates in. You know what it can do, you know its strengths, you know its weaknesses too. So whatever happens is not so much of a shock. It's, it's sort of like uh, in a slightly different vein why it was. One of the reasons why Claudius Stroll was able to endure the worst horrors through thousands of years of Gullus. And it broke other peoples and other, and, and other faiths. It's because twice a year we read the Tochacha. And, and we knew this is not something that, you know, God, you promised us a rose garden and all we're getting is the thorns. Nope, the thorns are right there. And you read them twice a year and you come to realize that, yeah, this is part of life also. That's what a Kodesh Baruch told us. So we're prepared for it. So I, I think that that's one of the positive takeaways. It's something that's given me a lot of pleasurable thought in the past week, that as others haven't even gotten around yet to the, to the thought of what this is going to do to the esteem people have for the legal system, not just when you overturn laws, but when you say they were me kara. this is really, they were stupid. They were almost as stupid as with Plessy v. Ferguson in, in Separate but Equal. And to us, we have a different background because Baruch Hashem, the, the, the Torah, our Torah HaKadoshah comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all of us are privileged to take part in it. And, and I would just add one other little aspect. 
we even remember the Mishnah Rishona and the Mishnah Rona, and we actually play with them, and we actually are excited. And, and that's what I would say is one of the reasons why we've been able, in the worst times, to turn to the salve of the Gemara and the Talmud is because it's, it's not just an escape, but it's actually a, a way to feel connected once again to the Rabbani Shalom, despite what's happening externally, despite the difficulties, and despite maybe even the Dine Torah going against us, is that we can learn about them. You know, I, I, again, whether this could, I don't know if that is, is true for the rest of, we talked about secular Israeli society, but I think you and I come from a world where the learning itself allows us the maturity to understand that hmm, things are totally, it's different. And not just because there's a process, but because we sort of get it on some level where the mistake was, what the toes was. We don't need to have a talking head necessarily explain it to us because we are all, in many ways, if we're Zoha to be part of a yeshiva education, then we're part of that learning. And, and I think that's, in a way, what has, uh, look, as, as terrible as it is, I know as a Dayan, you know, as terrible as it is that um, when a, a psak goes against you, when you have a bentairo that's there, he's macabre when he understands the halachic process that led to him losing the couple of thousand bucks. And not just because, oh, I guess I got to follow it. It's because he, we're all partners in that learning. And I think that that allows us to to accept it a lot greater. Well, Rabbi Yitzchak, it's always great to partner with you uh, to, to hash things over. Let's hope that uh, what we see as... Uh, I think it's. I think this this Roe v. Wade has turned in this discussion has turned into a a great way to get us ready for Shloshmiyim Kaidim Shvuas, which we're within, and something really to contemplate and think about. Hopefully, we'll catch you on the other side of Barg Sinai. Okay, be well, everybody. Mm. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 